You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are going to talk about Matt LaFleur players. Guys, I think fit this offense, guys, that Matt LaFleur could potentially fall in love with. Earlier in the week, I wrote for Packer Report about guys who didn't fit traditional standards for the Packers who Matt LaFleur could pound the table for. That was a little bit of a different kind of angle. If you haven't read it, highly suggest you go check that out because it does point out that there could be players who Matt LaFleur likes who don't have the traditional athletic profile that Green Bay tends to prefer. The players that we are going to talk about today have both of those characteristics. They're potentially Packer players in terms of athletic type, but also guys who fit the system. Um, They are, by and large, skill position players, and I think that part of it makes this particularly appealing for fans who... The, the only thing that any fan wants to talk about ever, usually, is skill position players. They want to talk about running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks, receivers. That's who you want to talk You don't want to talk about offensive linemen. You don't want to talk about defensive linemen. Now, Packer fans are a little different because Packer fans are smart. They understand that games are still, even in 2020, foundationally about winning in the trenches because if you don't do that it makes it a lot harder to do the other things that do affect the game and are fun and sexy to talk about but I think for our purposes here we don't quite yet have a full picture of what Matt LaFleur is going to want from offensive linemen and also I think the Packers vision of what a good offensive lineman looks like matches very well with the kind of player Matt LaFleur would want so it's not interesting because it's the same. It's not really a new idea in terms of what the Packers are going to be looking for there. So that's a little bit later in the show. First, we have to talk about the Brandon Cooks trade because that was a trade that we talked about on this show and it is now no longer on the table for the Green Bay Packers. Bill O'Brien in another enormous name trade, a blockbuster trade, you could call it, even though Brandon Cooks is not a superstar player like DeAndre Hopkins. The the Texans acquire Brandon Cooks for a second-round pick. Now, remember, they had the extra second from the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and they actually improved it here. They gave up their second-round pick, which was 57. They get 40 from the Cardinals. So in aggregate, for DeAndre Hopkins, the Texans get Brandon Cooks, David Johnson. They get a pick swap in the second round, and there ends up being more or less a wash of fourth-round picks. Now, what this means for the Packers is Brandon Cooks no longer on the market, no longer able to be traded. 
because, well, theoretically, the Texans could trade him again, but I don't know why they would. Uh, And he ends up going for more than I think Green Bay would have been comfortable offering. Now, you see the second round price tag and you go, that's way too much. Well, that's not quite true because they gave up a second to get Brandon Cooks and a fourth. So net, it's really more like a late day two pick that they gave up. Now that's still, in my opinion, more than Green Bay would have been willing to give up. You give up that third round pick, you're going to get an opportunity in the third round to draft a potential quality player. Now this goes back to discussions we've had earlier this offseason about do you want a free agent or do you want a receiver? About a 40% chance that that third round pick is something in the NFL and and historically free agents don't hit at a rate that high. So what is the better part of this? Now this is a trade. Of course, we don't have to get in the semantic part of that, but Brandon Cooks is a really good football player. He came with risks, there were concussions, and he could be one hit away from not having a career anymore. Unfortunately, that's true about most football players. That's just the reality of the sport. But the Texans got a very good player, and they added Randall Cobb, they added David Johnson. Ultimately, I think in aggregate, they're better than they were a year ago. It's one less option now for the Packers. And it also takes away the Robert Woods option. That was a potential trade, one that I had floated multiple times over the course of the offseason. Save the Rams some money, offer them a pick, and take on two years of Robert Woods. The the Rams are going to end up eating a ton of dead money in this Brandon Cooks trade simply to be able to move on, get the extra draft pick, and have a cost control player. Is it a move I would have made? No, but they also have more information on the medicals, for example. They know what his scans look like when he goes in and, and has you know, the various tests, the concussion tests, the MRIs, whatever it is, they have access to that documentation. I don't. So, and other teams are not going to have the same level of at least firsthand knowledge of what the risk is. And so from that standpoint, I, I think Houston is saying, well, the player is really good, but the Packers it would have been a risk, a big risk. Woods would have been a lot less risk. That option is now off the table. So in trading one player, the Rams have taken two off the radar for the Green Bay Packers. And so that means going into the draft, those are no longer options. So you, I mean, you, it does change your strategy in a way because you're going in realizing, okay, there are no break in case of emergency options here in the trade market because Brandon Cook's no longer available, and Robert Woods, as a result, also likely no longer available. Now, piggybacking on all of this is a follow-up to a conversation we had earlier in the week, and that is this idea of trading Desmond King. I was talking to Jason Hershorn, who initially alerted me to the potential option of the Chargers wanting to, to deal or who could look to deal Desmond King, and he suggested... What about trading down from 30 to 37 with the Chargers and picking up another day three pick? You probably have to throw in that if you're the Chargers because a fourth and some stuff was the the fair market option for Desmond King. He's on the last year of his contract. He's going to want a big deal. So you're really only getting him for one year. What is that worth? 
a fourth round, a fourth round and a sixth round, a fourth round and a seventh. It was going to be a fourth and some stuff. Okay. So the value of the move from 30 to 37 by the traditional trade chart is a high fourth and some stuff. Well, the Chargers have a high fourth and they have late day three picks they could throw in. Let's call it, you know, 37, their fourth round pick and their sixth round pick. Well, you could replace the fourth round pick with Desmond King because that's what it was going to take to get him anyway. So give up 30, move down to 37, get King and the other day three pick. The reason this makes sense for the Packers is obvious. There is more value now. If it's just 30, 37, 4, and 6, it kind of doesn't do anything for me. It's not really particularly intriguing or enticing. Why am I giving up the opportunity to pick a tier above? You know, the player you get at 30 is probably a tier above the guy you're going to get at 37. And if you're sitting there at 30 and there's no one there you like, it's, it's more enticing. But if you're sitting there at 30 and there are players, you know, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, Ezra Cleveland, some of these guys, and they're on the board, why am I giving up? the option of taking one of those guys to move down seven spots and get a guy who's probably a, a not insignificant amount worse than that guy. Now, if you know Josh Jones is there, Justin Jefferson, one of those guys, you stay and, and you take him and you don't worry about it. But if those guys are off the board, now it's not just a trade down to add draft assets. It's a trade down to add actual tangible player assets that can help you in 2020. And to me, that's more valuable. The fourth round doesn't really pique my interest. I know it's a borderline top 100 pick, and maybe you get a player that you think is a top 100 player, and then you're essentially getting two third-round picks in the draft. And and look, an extra third-round pick is is pretty nice to have, but it's... A dice roll. We know Desmond King is a good player. And he fits a precise need in the slot. And not just probably a good player. He's really good. And is a a Pro Bowl level return man. Just on its own. Let's have a conversation about that. Given the the way that that Green Bay's returns have been a struggle over the last few years. So it is still a potential viable trade out there as one of those potential trades that could have been out there for the Packers goes by the wayside. All right, so I wanted to dig into some names who maybe we haven't talked a ton about over the course of this pre-draft process, some guys, and maybe some who we have. But talk specifically about the kinds of players that I think Matt LaFleur could be looking for in this draft. Guys, I think he could pound the table for, as it were. And not all of them are the kinds of players who fit the normal athletic profile that Green Bay is looking for. And that's because Matt LaFleur has not been in the front office. He has not seen you know, the, the same kind of, of process that has worked for a long time. And, and he has ideas about the kinds of guys that he wants. And Brian Gutekunst, as we said, is still learning about those preferences. But what Matt LaFleur has said is he wants diversity of skill set. He came to this team last year and saw all of these guys that were big, that could run, and said outright that while it's nice to have all of those guys, it would also be nice to get some different types of players. Well, so far they haven't done that. 
So I thought I would go by and 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 pick out some players who round by round could be on Matt LaFleur's radar because of how they fit with this team and and what they're trying to get accomplished. So the guy in the first round who I think could absolutely be a pound-the-table player for Matt LaFleur, he is number one in any round for a Matt LaFleur pound-the-table player, and that is Jalen Rager. And it's not just because I think Rager is a really good player and I don't care about the threshold numbers. Rager can do everything that Matt LaFleur would want from the kind of versatile chess piece that you want in any offense, that any coach would want. But more than that, he is a different type of player. He is a different skill set from what Green Bay already has. Number one, he can take the top off down the field. Number two, he can run after catch. Other than Devontae Adams, there is no one on this roster who can create yards after the catch. You can use him on reverses. You can use him on jet sweeps. You can use him in the backfield. You can use him on punt returns. He can do everything you need him to do. Everything Matt LaFleur loves about Tyler Irvin, Jalen Rager gives you fivefold. And that's the return game. That is, you know, some of the downfield stuff. I mean, late in the season in Detroit, they're having to go to Tyler Irvin on wheel routes because they don't have other guys that they trust to do it. They lost confidence in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And other than that, they don't have a lot of deep speed. So you have the deep speed, plus he's got that screen game. He can run the slants. He can run double moves. His deep speed is real. And his ability to be versatile, and versatility is going to be a theme here. But that versatility, I think, is something that Matt LaFleur could really want mixed with that explosiveness, that dynamic ability. And who cares about his three-cone? Who cares about his his 20-yard shuttle? You can see on tape He is a dynamic player. Now, in the second round, I needed to get some running backs on this list because I do think Green Bay is going to want a running back. We talked about Joshua Kelly as a potential Packers type in terms of the front office. But when it comes to Matt LaFleur, when it comes to zone running, when it comes to one cut and go, when it comes to physicality and breaking tackles and being able to be effective in the passing game, How about Zach Moss from Utah? Tested well, had a pro day where he ran, you know, a a good number in the 40, if you believe the the videotaped hand time, (laughs) which I do, whatever. Like, why are you going to fake something like that? It would be stupid. Teams are going to know. But I really like Moss. And I think there are a couple running backs in this draft that the front office will like. I think Moss could be someone that Matt LaFleur could really like. Matt Schneidman for The Athletic wrote in in his predictions column that Green Bay would not, at the end of 2020, pick up Aaron Jones's contract. So having someone like Zach Moss would be some insurance. I do think they're going to draft someone. Is it going to be in the second round? Maybe not. But Zach Moss could go in the second round, and certainly Green Bay could feel like, hey, the value is there to get him. I wouldn't do it, but you you could. And one of the reasons I wouldn't is because in the third round, you could get Antonio Gibson. And he's going to be a running back for some people. He's going to be a receiver for some people. And that is a feature, not a bug. All the stuff I said about Jalen Rager is true to a lesser extent about Antonio Gibson. A 4-4-40 guy, played running back, can play in the slot, can be a returner, 
he is absolutely one of those middle round guys that I think Matt LaFleur is is telling Brian Gutekunst, we got to find a way to get this guy because in their offense, he can be dynamic. He's not going to be, you know, a number two receiver. And that's okay. Doesn't have to be. When you look at some of the offenses in the Shanahan tree, there are guys who can do specific things and do them really well. He doesn't have to be 90% of Debo Samuel. But if he can be Debo Samuel after the catch, or he can be Brandon Cooks down the field, or he can be Robert Woods on jet sweeps, you know, if you can just find some traits of these guys and put them on the field, then I think that gives you an opportunity to really be in the range where Matt LaFleur is going to be interested. Now, Devin DuVernay in the fourth, all the things I just said about Gibson, also true about DuVernay. He is a a gadget player, jet sweeps, backfield, slot, return. You can get him down the field. You can get him run after catch situations, slants, digs, receiver screens, get him opportunities with the ball in his hand, and he can make plays. One of those two guys, and maybe maybe we extend it to three with Rager, one of those three guys I, I think is going to be a Packer. I just it, it, it makes too much sense from a fit standpoint, and they're going to have a ton of opportunities to take one of those guys. I think one of them ultimately becomes a Packer. Now, some of the names after this, a little less sexy, Dalton Keene in the fifth round, someone we talked about yesterday. Green Bay is going to want a tight end who can block but could develop into something more. So think of Dalton Keene as Dawson Knox from last year but with less upside. He's not the athlete Knox was. I don't think he has the upside as a receiver. But if he can be you know, tight end two, tight end two and a half this year, Eventually, someone who can run and be a, a good blocker, which I think he can do both eventually, then that is the kind of player that I think the Packers are looking for. At the end, two names we've talked about, Joe Reed from Virginia, the receiver, and John Runyon. Joe Reed is basically Jalen Rager light. Smaller guy, shifty, not quite as dynamic, not quite as explosive, but a really good, just really good, solid player with, with good athletic traits. And then Runyon is... An offensive tackle with with pedigree and someone who not only fits the threshold that the Green Bay likes, but because he does, because he's athletic, because he can move, is the kind of developmental offensive lineman that Matt LaFleur could be interested in. So that's a good double up where it's like I think the person that LaFleur could like is also someone that the Packers could like. And that synergy, I think, makes him more likely to be a Packer than other players. All right, we're going to be back next week. A lot more to get to as the draft approaches. Two weeks from right now, we'll have a draft, which is great. And and we'll ha- still have plenty of content after that. Talk about all these draft picks. Talk about how they fit and what the adjustment period is going to be like because it looks like we're going into an offseason without offseason activities, without OTAs, without mini camp, without rookie camp. And that is going to have an impact on how these players all develop. So, Plenty to talk about in the coming weeks, and hopefully, hopefully we have some good answers here over the next few weeks. The the news out of places like California and New York are showing positive signs. We all have to keep doing our part, keep trying to stay home when possible, to keep our distance, to be smart, to wash our hands, all that good stuff. Let's make sure we do our part to get sports back. 
I mean, if if for no other reason to, than to get sports back, do your part. Obviously, we want to protect each other, and that's the most important thing. Protect yourselves, protect your family, protect your friends, protect your friends' families, your family's extended families, your in-laws, all of those people. We need to protect them. And if you don't care about any of that, shame on you. But if what you really care about is sports, then this is this is how you get sports back. This is how we all get sports back and how we get our lives back. So keep, please keep doing your part and we will get through this all together. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.